Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, my name is Carrie Lucas, and I'm president of Independent Women's Forum. I'm thrilled to be here today with Claudia Rosette, IWF's foreign policy fellow. Claudia has a long, distinguished history writing on foreign policy and national security issues at some of the most prestigious newspapers and outlets anywhere. Now, most recently, Claudia had a piece on PJ Media on the recent airstrikes against Syria. But before we kind of turn to these most recent events, I'm hoping we can take a step back. You know, Claudia, first, thanks so much for being here this morning um, with me today. And, um, and I'm hoping you can, can start us off a little bit by giving us a little background on why the U.S., along with our partners with, from Britain and France, decided to make this move against Syria. Thank you, Carrie. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, and the reason that America and two of its closest allies, Britain and France, decided to carry out this airstrike uh, against Syria's chemical weapons facilities is that while there may be a lot of disagreement in the world today on what to do about various terrible trouble spots, and Syria is really high on that list, one thing that really all civilized countries can agree on, and that's also written into what we call international law, something backed by treaties that almost everyone has signed on to, um, is that chemical weapons are just too terrible to be used. This was something where in World War I, people were so horrified by how these weapons worked that the hideous deaths and damage and so on that they inflicted on people, that they really became taboo. Uh, first, there was a, a Geneva deal that they were not to be used, and then the Chemical Weapons Convention came along. And so there's sort of general agreement that these simply are not weapons to which anyone should resort. And that was the line that the U.S. and it's out in France and Britain were trying to enforce with this strike in Syria. You just shouldn't, don't use chemical weapons and you don't let this start to become normalized. Well, that's, yeah, that's such an interesting, a really important background to have. And if I remember correctly, this isn't the first time that Syria's used chemical, chemical weapons, right? Oh, you remember very correctly. For the last five years, uh, the Assad regime in Syria has been using chemical weapons from 2013 right up until earlier this month in that strike on Douma. In fact, our ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, uh, said in the debate over what to do about these, this latest use in Douma, Syria, that the U.S. estimates that Bashar Assad in Syria has used chemical weapons at least 50 times, and by some reports, wow. more like 200. Well, that's, you know, it really is. It's interesting. It shows that if, if something isn't, um, if, if it's something's not enforced, um, then people are going to keep doing it. So it's, it is interesting that the, the Trump administration decided, um, you know, to, to finally make good on this promise to, for there to be consequences to using chemical weapons. But, you know, in this circumstance that, you know, Russia has been heavily involved in the situation in Syria and are now really unhappy with, um, with these airstrikes. Can you tell us a little bit about Russia's role in this and why they have such a, um, are such a big player? Sure. Uh, Russia was supposed to make sure this didn't happen. Um, the way that that's played out is when Assad uh, was caught using chemical weapons in 2013, when President Obama was in the White House, um, there was great dismay in you know, what to do. And President Obama had said in 2012 
that if we saw Assad even getting, re- you know, really seriously preparing to use chemical weapons or using them, that that would be a red line. The U.S. would do something. There was all this talk about a strike on Syria then. Uh, and then President Obama backed away. He erased that red line. He said it wasn't his red line. It was the international community's red line, even though those was his words. Uh, and um, instead, he cut a deal with Russia's Vladimir Putin that they took to the United Nations, where it was enshrined under a UN resolution aimed at getting rid of the chemical use of chemical weapons in Syria, where Russia promised to become the guarantor that all of Assad, that Assad would give up all his chemical weapons. Russia would make sure they were all eliminated, uh, moved out of the country, destroyed, that basically he had no more chemical weapons program. And uh, this was actually... I, this was very worrisome at the time because Russia is actually not that wonderful a guarantor of peace and progress in the world. It's been very problematic under Vladimir Putin's, at this point, 18-year reign. And what this became was really perverse. Uh, it became the portal for Russia's major reentry into the Middle East through Syria, where it was supposed to be making sure that Assad's chemical weapons arsenal was gone. Syria, as part of the deal, signed on to the Chemical Weapons Convention, and John Kerry, then Secretary of State for President Obama, assured us all in 2014 that 100% of the chemical weapons were gone. Well, that didn't happen at all. And with Russia as guarantor, uh, Assad then com- completely violated his promise. Effectively, Russia violated its promise to supervise his giving up the chemical weapons. And this has now flipped around to such an extent. In 2015, uh, Vladimir Putin began sending in the Russian military for bombing strikes against the Syrian opposition to Assad, some of which included people the U.S. was backing in Syria. And uh, then the problem at this point is that Russia is so, its main goal really has been keeping Bashar Assad in power and keeping its own presence in Syria now that it's back in there. Well, and so Russia has become the defender of Assad while he uses chemical weapons. And if you watched Nikki Haley's debates at the United Nations in the week leading up to these airstrikes, uh, Russia was reading scripts out of George Orwell um, saying there had been not there was no evidence there was nothing to go on here uh meantime there was all sorts of evidence and russia has blocked the u.n mechanism with u.n mechanism for inspecting and these weapon alleged weapon strikes and attributing responsibility had expired last november russia is using its veto to stop the u.n from renewing any ability to figure out to sort of report who's doing these things so Basically, Russia's now running interference for Assad, having promised five years ago that it would stop him. Wow. Well, do you think that these, so you know, given all this and this you know, incredibly complicated situation, um, do you think these airstrikes were a good move? And what is, what is kind of the hopeful outcome for this, for this kind of limited attack on, on Syria? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, Carrie, they were a very good move. What they are doing is redrawing that red line that President Obama erased or handed over to Putin in 2013. 
And uh, what they do is they not only help to degrade Assad's ability to launch chemical weapons attacks, you know, they have destroyed at least some of his facilities, including a very important research center that was really sort of a devil's own laboratory, if you like, a center not only for chemical weapons, but for biological weapons. Uh, the, the Syrian Scientific Studies and Research Center on the edge of Damascus. But they've also sent a message, and they sent a message not only to Assad, that he's no longer sort of immune from any use of force to enforce that red line. They also send a larger message to other countries where dictators have been increasingly aggressive, predatory, hostile to American interests. And that would be, for instance, to Russia itself, Vladimir Putin, to China's president and dictator Xi Jinping, to Iran's supreme leader and tyrant Ali Khamenei, uh, to North Korea's totalitarian tyrant Kim Jong-un, to all of them. The basic message is that when the UN, UN, America says these days it's drawing a red line, they should take it seriously that there now is a willingness to use force to back that up. Yeah. Well, now, do you think these strikes will be enough to stop Assad from using chemical weapons again in the future? And what do you what do you see as happening happening next, or what the next steps in this this whole um, conflict are? Yeah, possibly it will take more. Okay, it's uh, because what Russia, what Assad and his backers in Russia, and by the way, his chemical weapons program has been helped along for years by North Korea. Mm-hmm. What that whole crowd of dictators is going to want is that the red line is now erased again, and he may well try it again to see what he can get away with. Uh, he still has the ability, although much degraded, to carry out such strikes. Um, so he might try it, but the probability is probably lower because he's going to have to factor in, is he going to get hit again? And there's a trend here. Last year, there was a chemical, as the Assad regime carried out a chemical weapons attack with sarin, which is really horrible, uh, in, in a year ago, April, this month. And President Trump responded by sending 59 Tomahawk missiles at an air base uh, that had probably helped deliver that attack. Um, This time, a year later, as the attacks have continued, it was at least twice the firepower. It wasn't the U.S. acting alone. It was the U.S., Britain, and France. Uh, And what that gives you is three nuclear powers who are three of the permanent five members of the Security Council acting against Syria and its main sponsors, Russia and actually Iran, although that's been lower profile in this case. But uh, so it might not stop them. And it's not going to fix the horrible mess in Syria, which is really a, you know, where ISIS is now vastly diminished, but not completely gone. And you just have this great welter of warring factions with the Iranians in there threatening the Israelis, with the Russians in there, with us trying to clean out the remainders of ISIS. Uh, There's a lot going on in Syria. It's not going to fix that. But the aim was to try to deter the use of chemical weapons. It's a very good move in that direction. And uh, if it happens again, we've sort of 
now set the stage for the case that there's every reason for another strike to be carried out, probably even bigger. That is what the so-called international community, the UN Security Council that engages in the debates over this, uh, would be expecting and the U.S. has already laid the groundwork for. So on balance, this was exactly the right move. It was a very good move. There, there's some controversy over did it go far enough? I think it went as far as Britain and France were willing to sign on to. And for the sake of having that strike from three major allies, uh, that it was probably exact calibrated just right, but it may take more. Yeah, well, this is, you know, thank you, Claudia, this has been so helpful. Um, I know that this is, you know, there's such a kind of dangerous times and complicated issues, but this has really been helpful, I know, for me and getting me, um, giving me some background on, on news that's, that's a part of the, of the world that I, um, I find um, a, you know, sometimes difficult to, to, to make sense of. So I hope we can have you back again to give us another update on, on Syria. And then for everybody listening to this podcast, you know, thank you for your time to hear and read more from Claudia Rosette and others at IWF. Please come visit us at IWF.org, where all issues are women's issues. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.